0: You're listening to Join the Loser's Bench, a bariatric surgery podcast. A show for people who want to take control and get healthy, or for people that have already taken the leap and want inspiration and support to continue being healthy and successful in their weight loss journey. If you are contemplating bariatric surgery, this is the place for you. Being a loser is not a good thing though, right? Not here. Losers are winners here. Not just losers, but anyone wanting to join the loser's bench are also winners here. On each episode, we'll take you through all the ups and downs, the challenges, the wins, the sheer bliss you feel from gaining control of your life. We'll also have the pleasure of hearing from industry professionals, such as bariatric surgeons, dietitians, psychologists, sports physios, and patients' experiences alike about this journey, giving you the insights and opportunity to be informed and to help you be successful on your own journey. Without further ado, welcome your host and fellow loser, Nirvani.
1: Hi, and welcome back to my podcast, Join the Losers Bench, everyone. Um, today we have a stellar show for you. We will be talking to um, a very special guest that will walk us through um, the mental and psychological challenges of our journey in the beginning stages. Um, she is a very qualified psychologist in the specialized field of WLS. Um, I will be talking to her about the importance of being mentally ready prior to the procedure so that you will be successful long-term and you will begin this journey with the right foundations and the frame of mind to actually make it a successful journey. Um, We will also go through some tips and tricks of how to get through those initial days for surgery and um, how to cope with the grief and loss of food that you would have normally had for comfort because you can't actually now reach out for that. Um, I also know I struggled a lot with this at the beginning and I want to address that today so you guys will be able to identify, um, understand the feelings and um, I will also, um, I'm sure that you know the psychologist will be able to give you the tools and mechanisms to cope better with it. Um, so now let's get to um, a little bit about our special guest. She is a leading psychologist based in Melbourne. She specializes in emotional eating and self sabotage and weight loss surgery patients um, she works at a weight loss weight loss surgery clinic as a key team member working with people who are considering weight loss surgery or who have already had weight loss surgery or are further down the track that are struggling a little bit with regain um, she is a gr- um, she is a great um, person to speak to at any stage really of your journey so um, you know just reach out Uh, I will actually link you to all of her services in our um, show notes Um, on top of all of these impressive credentials she also has a podcaster for own um, with a great listener base and it's a very helpful one so um, if you're further on along your weight loss journey and um, you want some help, I'm sure that, you know, you can look her up and her podcast is called Reverse the Relapse. I recommend this podcast to you with all my heart as I, it has really helped me, even though I'm eight months down this journey. Um, you know, there are things that I still listen to and gain insights on, um, especially the psychology of this journey. Um, you can also sign up with her for any one-on-one coaching um, and the good news is that if you're based in Australia you can also get a mental health plan with your GP and you can save money by claiming your sessions on Medicare so that is a really great incentive as well. Um, I will link you to her podcast and web page as I said in the show notes below so, Without further ado, let me welcome to the show top psychologist and fellow podcaster Georgie Beams. Hi, Georgie, and welcome to my podcast, Join the Loser's Bench. I am so honoured to have you here Um, as a guest. I hope I did you justice with the introduction of you and your vast experience. Um, And I also want to thank you for taking the time today to have a chat with me about the initial stages of this journey and I hope that further along we can chat again um, on other aspects of this journey as well. How are you today? I'm very well and excited to be here so thank you so much. And no worries at all Geordie, thank you as I said, I mean I really appreciate your time. So um, let's get on to some of my questions that I had for you. Um, To start with um, I myself personally wish that I saw a psych before my surgery. Um, what is your opinion on seeing a psychologist before the surgery, and what are the reasons that you think that we should see them before?
2: great question so um, you know I highly recommend it for many reasons and first of all I think that it's really important that we start to really normalize seeing a psychologist in general but particularly you know, on our weight loss surgery journey so I still find that there for some people there still can be a little bit of a stigma attached but a weight loss surgery psychologist is such an important and in some cases even more important than seeing other members so, <laughs> of your weight loss surgery support team. So I think um, that some people still may have a misconception about psychologists, about what's involved, and they think maybe there's going to be a couch and they lie down and then they kind of need to analyse their relationship with their mother for like 10 years. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not the case at all. <laughs> um, yes. So I I recommend seeing a psychologist, first of all, who specialises in eating and weight and, and preferably even a first the niche for weight loss surgery patients uh, but to really deal with the underlying reasons as to why you need or needed uh, surgery in the first place okay. so this is really critical to your weight loss surgery success and your future results so I talk a lot about version one and version two and I'm going to refer to it a bit in this uh, podcast so I'll just yeah. give you a bit of an overview so version one is essentially the old you it's the pre-surgery you it's the struggling you and perhaps you know if you're like most of the weight loss surgery patients I've dealt with you have spent years maybe even decades really struggling with your eating and weight feeling like a failure and feeling like you can't get that longer term success and that's why you've signed up for surgery version 2.0 is the new you it's the thriving you it's it's why you signed up for surgery or uh, considering signing up for surgery to feel free and in control around food and be in a body that you feel really good about so what happens is pre-surgery your body and your mind are both at version 1.0 pre-surgery Yep. Then, after weight loss surgery, your body is upgraded to version 2.0. So, you've got all those amazing health benefits and the significant weight loss, more energy, mobility, etc. Yep, that's where but I'm But you now, <laughs> you're in. Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, weight loss surgery isn't enough to guarantee longest term success on its own because your mind also needs an upgrade from version 1.0 to version 2.0. And surgery it doesn't perform that upgrade. Unfortunately, I wish, (laughs) I wish it was as easy as that. And that's where I come in to support that upgrade. So your mind is so incredibly powerful and your mind follows your body. So if your mind is still at version 1.0 after surgery, that's the old fat you, it's the pre-surgery you. You know, it, it can only be a matter of time for many people until your body downgrades, which mm-hmm. looks like weight regain, which is obviously not what we want. So the weight loss surgery patients that I have seen who are doing really well, stayed on their path, and they're the ones that really hook in with their support systems, so um, including working with a psychologist as being a critical part of the
1: process. Mm. See, for me, like at the moment, um so I've lost all this weight, I've lost 30 kilos, I'm wearing a size Mm. 12, and so I see, like, a chocolate or I see a chocolate cake or something and I think, oh, I can afford to eat that. But then it becomes like, oh, I'm eating this every day now because it was okay when I ate it the first time. And that is going back to my old way of thinking. So I haven't addressed my issues at the beginning, so now I'm relapsing. So. I think that's how I explain this question back to you because I need to work on that. So um. yeah,
2: yeah, and I think that's it. It's you know I, I encourage. Um, women to think about you know am i eating in version one or version two at the moment am i being version one or i'm being version two because like you say it's that you know these eating habits it's the consistency a little bit here and there can soon really revert back to those old eating habits and Mm. um you know take you in the opposite direction of where you want to go
1: that's right i mean i see a lot of the time you know people say oh look don't worry just eat that you know Um, you lose it anyway but what people don't Mm. realize is yeah we will lose it anyway the first year in the honeymoon period but we need to get Mm -hmm. our habits right in this first year as well so you've got to mentally prepare yourself to that point so um, next question Georgie before I had my surgery I thought that you know things will be so easy um, and that I will be able to cope mentally and that I was ready but this was not at all the case for me because i went through like a grief and loss stage of food um so um i also was like really overwhelmed at the fact that um how much comfort like food gave me um mm. can you explain why this is and like and any like coping mechanisms that we can use to get through that stage because at the beginning it is like a real shock to the system because you eat with your visual in you know, like your eyes and
2: absolutely
1: then- yeah,
2: absolutely. So uh, I think you know what I've noticed, and you know I've I've seen it all um, a- across the the spectrum, pre surgery, post surgery, you know, et- et cetera. But I think p- particularly pre surgery, I have noticed a bit of a theme that um, that weight loss surgery, you know, patients in that pre surgery stage can get a bit caught up and excited which isn't very natural about that weight loss component and perhaps not appreciate the emotional and psychological adjustments that's really important part of the journey as well and so the weight pre-surgery is on for a reason and uh, you're eating in this way for a reason pre-surgery and this is what i address with the weight loss surgery patients that i work with so what happens is all of a sudden you have all this stripped away and and that can be really challenging and confronting as you've acknowledged mm-hmm. and it can always feel like you've lost a friend you know how many um weight loss surgery patients describe you know this kind of grieving process that you did as well that food has been something that you've relied on the comfort that hasn't judged you and it's been there for you through all sort of through thick and thin and then yeah. now that's just been sort of stripped away yeah, because for sorry. me, like, I know I
1: had my surgery on the 19th of December and six days later was Christmas Day. Yeah. And so, like, you know, traditionally um, we eat a lot and we get together. We had, like, I had all my family with me in Malaysia and um, we prepared a big meal and I helped to cook it, but I couldn't eat it. And mm-hmm. everyone was feeling sorry for me.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
1: really made me hit rock bottom.
2: Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, I can un- I can completely appreciate what you're coming where you're coming Sorry, from. Sorry, I didn't
1: mean to disturb your train of thought.
2: There, yeah, yeah, no, idea. it's all I think that's really important to share. Um, I think sharing experiences is just such an important part of the journey as well, and, and helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of my recommendations, is first of all to get support, um, engage early in the process. So, uh, the weight loss surgery patients that do really well start early in terms of connecting in with their their team, um, and I think that's really important. And and I just want to reiterate, like it's never too late to get help. And the support that you that you need don't leave it too long um because i think we can often get into a bit of a rut um and this is probably more for um some of your listeners that have had surgery um as well that there's always help available and and also just know that you're not expected to be an expert in this area so i find that many weight loss surgery patients uh they think that they should be an expert in managing their emotions and cravings post-surgery <laughs> and it just what's no, like, pressure <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um We can't know everything it, about everything. They can't right? know everything. Yeah. And also like I think there's a difference between knowing it and, you know, from an intellectual level and having that awareness of what's going on mm. and then not knowing what to do. Like you're so I think that's you know, I think it's totally fine to be aware, but seek help just to help with that implementation and the strategies you're not expected to be the expert and please take that pressure off yourself so i think it's also important to reach out to someone who you trust who has had weight loss surgery before that can be really helpful so i also say a person that you trust is an important part because you really want to feel supported you know you might um, you, you want to feel like vulnerable to share what you're experiencing. And sometimes that uh, I've noticed that, you, you know, you can hop on these communities and of course everyone's sharing their best day <laughs> and yeah. all these, you know, <laughs> amazing results. Um, mm-hmm. And it can make you feel worse about yourself and that can lead to feelings of failure. And, you know, this has an impact on our, on our eating. Um, so the, the other thing I've sort of mentioned here is, Um, When we emotionally eat, it's an avoidance strategy. So the purpose is to really numb out. So this means that we're not thinking and we're not feeling and we just kind of want to take that time out. What happens is we tell ourselves often that we're relaxing. So, you know, it's 9 o'clock at night, the kids are in bed, you've had a busy day, you're watching Netflix and the chocolate comes out, right? Mm -hmm. And we tell it, yeah, familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we tell ourselves we're relaxing, but really we're actually using food to numb out. Um, And so you know the difference because when we're numbing out, your awareness is in your head and not your body so i work with a lot of women who are very very busy with you know do 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 and running around and they're running after everyone else and and they're really bumping themselves right down on the priority list and they're actually feeling quite tired and overwhelmed and they're actually really craving relaxation but instead they're eating to numb out so i would sort of suggest to actually you know think about now and even it's a great idea you know, pre-surgery, post-surgery, wherever you're at on your journey is to really think about some activities that really plug you into your body so your awareness can either be in your head or your body it can't be in both so anytime you're in your head you're you know typically numbing out or even that you know it's called head hunger it's it's coming from when your awareness is in your head and if you stay in your head you're most likely going to give into that head hunger because that voice gets louder and louder and louder and we've all been there so what I suggest you do is find some activities particularly close to those what I call vulnerable eating times, which is those patterns of your bad eating yep. habits like the 9 o'clock, you know, p.m., mm-hmm. and do something that PM. actually takes well, the 3 p.m. Pick yeah. yeah. up, <laughs> energizer. Yeah. So do find an activity where you're actually takes you out of your head, plugs you into your body. So you actually are relaxing. And the more you do this, the less you'll be looking for food to help you relax. And also you, it really helps you in terms of um, managing your head hunger because, as I as I mentioned, if you stay keep your awareness in your head, And the craving start is very, very difficult to say no if you keep your awareness in your head. So just a little tip is to shift your awareness to your body. Find an activity, whether that's um, walking, mindfulness, whether that's going to bed and reading a book, having a bath, whatever that is. It could be craft, whatever that is for you. It's where you're in your body, you're present, you're engaged, and you're plugged into the present moment.
1: So what you're describing is a little bit like the surgery, really, because now we can't eat mindlessly anymore. Because we have to be aware of the chewing, aware of the consistency, aware of um how um like the the basically the rapidity of putting the food in the mouth. Because obviously, if we eat too fast, we'll vomit or we'll gag or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I guess being aware surrounding situation, your mindset, all that is really important. Um, I think post-surgery to be successful, is that, is that what I'm getting from, you know? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think also just really, um, particularly if you're pre-surgery, is really mm-hmm. getting a, having a good understanding about those vulnerable eating times because mm-hmm. the honeymoon period, it's like you press the pause button um, mm-hmm. And that will feel amazing. <laughs> yes. okay. um, but then that's going to wear off at some point. Yes. And so yes. that's when these old eating habits and there's no coincidence. They're not that, addressed.
1: If not yes, addressed. if they're
2: not addressed, they're going to sneak back in. So yes. that's where and so, yes. start to think about what's playing out now because whatever's playing out now will start to play out later if it's not later, addressed.
1: Yeah. See, that is where I'm at. You know, I'm sort of now starting to be a little more lax in what I'm eating. Yeah. And then that to me means I'm going back to what I used to do and I didn't have this surgery and pay all this money to go back Mm. to what I was doing. So I want to invest the money in the psychology of it now so that I don't have to redo this operation. Not that I'm going to, but you know, you're Um, a smart person yeah (laughs) that's not that's not the end game (laughs) yeah and look I think
2: I think that's great because I think you know I I sort of you know keep my eye on these forums and um I see you know a lot of posts and often the the a lot of the posts that receive so many comments are the ones around oh the weight regain or how do I manage the cravings and the head hunger post-surgery um and I just find that people are very quick to say, you know, oh, you should check out this drug or have you thought about revision surgery? And it's all the same thing. It's all the Band-Aid, you know, approach that's not still addressing Mm. those underlying issues.
1: Yes. I must say, though, um, Geordie, sometimes I see comments on like people, can I please um, speak to people that are like two years or three years post-surgery, how successful have you been, what have you done? to make sure that it has been those are the good questions you know, absolutely I've those questions and I think you are going to succeed because you are yes. asking the right things.
0: You yes. know, you're addressing
1: the absolute biggest issue and so you know those are the questions that I think that you know the people that are going to be successful need to be asking yes like, I
2: completely agree
1: because I know I made this decision because I was frustrated at how big I was Mm. but I never really looked at the long-term picture. I did kind of touch on it, but only after I had the procedure did I realise how important the psychology of it is. So, you know, that's um, what we're here for, to discuss it with the people listening as Mm. to why we need to address those issues. Um, So my next question, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, just sorry,
2: just to invert that one off. I think also that there's a lot of, um, there's certainly a lot of like weight loss surgery patients, I've seen pre surgery who just, and even post surgery, I've got to say, that just hope that it's just going to correct itself and fix itself. And without actually thinking it through or doing anything about it. And unfortunately, mm. it just doesn't. The longer you leave this, the harder and harder it gets. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think that's an important note as well is that it's important to think through this, yes. these issues and the journey now and not just um, think for the next, you know, month or, or just think it's all going to be fine after I have surgery. It's going to fix itself. It's going to correct itself.
1: I always say to myself I am going to address my why. Why did I come to yeah. this point? And if I address yeah. that why, I will never go back. So yes. That is yeah. my that is my I magic. like that yeah um so can you please talk us through why surgery is not the magic answer and like why we need to rewire our brain to build these new habits and change our mindset post-surgery to be successful i think we touched on a little bit on that yeah Um, yeah also can you touch us on like talk to us through about the honeymoon phase and um, Mm -hmm. how important it is to get the right mindset from the get-go like i know the honeymoon phase goes away and the hunger comes back and mm. the regain comes back. So people think that, you know, again, like I said, you know, we need, we will lose anyway. Yes, we will. But we will also mm. put on anyway Yeah, <laughs> after that. yeah. But how do we address that?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, first of all, the weight loss surgery, you know, it is, it was on, on your stomach, not on your mind. And, you know, yes. as I mentioned, if we don't upgrade, our mind to version 2.0 it's like it will still run those old fat scripts you know those pre-surgery version one scripts so it's kind of like having an outdated version of windows Um, and you know when they keep saying do you want to upgrade Do you want to upgrade you go no 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 (laughs) but it ends up (laughs) that's a good analogy (laughs) it's like this is gonna it's like this is gonna take 10 minutes to do this upgrade it's too hard don't have time (laughs) Um, but it slows you down you know it frustrates you you know um etc so um emotional eating it does come from our mind and head hunger comes from our mind so
1: if Can you your thing is explain a little bit about the head hunger and the real hunger because I listened to one of your podcasts about it and it was yeah. amazing it was such a eye yeah, opener yeah. for me
2: yeah so we have uh two types of hunger and so we have our tummy hunger which is our physical hunger and then we have our head hunger which is our emotional hunger so um this is something to be really um aware of and and we really need to start to sort of tune in uh, because often what can happen is um, and I often sort of say this to weight loss surgery patients when we kind of talk through what's happening with your food, and and they and I sort of say to them, "Is that tummy or head hunger?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know, it's just hunger." And um, so often we just we're responding to just whatever we think is just hunger, whether that's thoughts, etc. Mm-hmm. And often what can happen is we're actually responding to a lot of head hunger. So the main difference is. Uh, Our tummy hunger is our physical hunger, and this typically um, comes on every sort of three to four hours. Um, It builds, you know, there'll be like rumblings in the tummy uh, and, you know, it it can go through waves Uh, and many things can satisfy, many options can satisfy tummy hunger. Now, tummy hunger, we want to honour. When it comes to head hunger, that's the one where you feel you're going
1: to pass out. (laughs) Correct.
2: (laughs) And in fact, we don't want to leave it that long. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So head hunger uh, is a craving, and so this typically can be instant, and it's it's very intense. And very specific. So it's like I need a chocolate, you know, um, a salted caramel ice cream um, two minutes after dinner. And it can't be anything
1: else. It has to be that. So I better go out and get one. Like I had a, yesterday I had a craving for a chocolate mousse, which I knew was head hunger, not tummy hunger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what what did you do? (laughs) Um, Nothing. I just got through it. I just, you know, just said, no, this is not. Yeah, This is specific, so therefore I'm not, I don't need yes. it to survive.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think sort of step one is just starting to really differentiate those different hunger types because there's different strategies for each. So our physical hunger um, we want to honour and our head hunger we want to, you know, start to work on and not have that sort of um, not be, have that voice in our head that we just obey every time because that's when we sort of start to slip back into our old ways. Um, So with, um, yeah, and often it's no coincidence as well, what happens after surgery is it's those same old eating habits that sneak back in. So this is where the mind and the brain is so powerful because after weight loss surgery, um, it's not like new things come on board it's not like let's just say pre-surgery it was 9 p.m eating chocolate on the couch Mm -hmm. it's not like after surgery it's 10 a.m and having a packet of twisties you know what i mean it's it's usually then that it's still that 9 p.m the chocolate you know Mm -hmm. or similar type of foods so what happens in the honeymoon stage after weight loss surgery is it's just you know i call it like just a pressing the pause button on your eating and you have this level of control that feels really amazing Mm -hmm. and the thing about the honeymoon period is i'm noticing this more and more and i'd love love to hear um your experience with this as well but I've seen um, clients where the honeymoon period has lasted anywhere from four months to six months on average. Um, 12 months is like a good amount of time, like you're lucky to get that Mm -hmm. 12 months um, before the old eating habits start to sneak back in, you know, the head hunger gets a little bit more louder. um, And these, you know, these old eating habits, these old cravings, Is sort of, you know, what can sabotage you. Yeah. So, how did, where, how long did your honeymoon period last?
1: So, um, what I struggled with is, you know, um, this is another topic that I want to talk about with weight loss surgery. Mm. There is a concept of something called a slider food. Um, yeah. So sliders are things that just slide through your pouch. And yeah. so, I was going through a stage where I, you know, anything that was of value or nutritional value, like proteins, takes, if you feel the restriction. So, it is very difficult mm. to eat. You get, you know, the tightness and you feel the restriction. You feel like you're going to vomit. But those slider foods, I was thinking, like in my head, I was thinking, at least I can eat it and be full and be satisfied. But obviously, they're not good because slider foods are of yeah. no nutritional value. So, that was where I was struggling. Yes. So, in my head, I'm thinking psychologically, oh, it's food. It's filling me. I'm satisfied. And I can eat the. The um quantities like I was before, like I could eat two uh, two wheat beaks with milk and sugar, mm. whereas mm. if I had eggs, I could only eat half a boiled egg. Yeah. So yeah. that psychological perspective for me was like really huge to get through and get over. Yes. Like to me, like wheat mix, milk, and sugar gave me nothing. Yes. It didn't give me my protein needs for the day
2: yes so that would have ended up with
1: me losing my hair and not having the energy and my muscles and all that because I had the foresight to educate myself about how important this was I knew that the egg was doing me better than the two wheat picks Mm -hmm. but I want to help those people that think oh food is food I'll get anything in that I can and I will eat wheat picks all day or cereal all the time like I've heard that from people I eat yeah Where my issue was, like that is what I'm trying to educate people on. You had this surgery to get the restriction, not to eat those things that you're now eating, just to get full. So, yes. um, and that's what I want to address in this honeymoon period <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, um,
2: absolutely.
1: So that's this is where my psychological issues were, like, and and you can eat chocolate. Mm. Like I could eat a whole bar of chocolate and not feel my mm. restriction. And, you know, this is yeah. where people are getting the wrong idea. Cause...
2: Yes. Yeah, because I think that it's, well, I think they they can think like that if their mindset is perhaps this is going to fix everything. This is It's almost like I don't trust myself. I don't have that level of control. The surgery will give me control and then I don't need to worry.
1: Yeah. Like I hear we... a lot of people, you know, say um, that WLS is a tool, not a cure. Can you explain mm. this concept to our listeners in a, like a psychological perspective? Like people don't realise that it's something that helps you to actually get to where you need to go. Not, It's not a I don't have to do anything solution. You still yeah, have to ab- do stuff.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, we need to check in on around are we trying to outsource our success rather than, taking a hundred percent responsibility for our outcomes and um the
1: way that i, I like that yeah. <laughs> responsibility. i like that yeah yeah and not outsource well, we can- it that's correct
2: well when we outsource our success we get into the victim mentality where we feel powerless mm-hmm. and this yep, looks 100%. like i'll start you know, I'll eat the slider foods. Like I'll look at how I can cheat the system. Um, I'll start tomorrow. And then blame it that
1: the surgery didn't work. Correct.
2: Yeah. Correct. <laughs> and then and then, and then, booking my revision surgery. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> yeah. Whereas when Good we work. take 100% responsibility, that's the place, that's an empowered place. We can actually get the change that we're after. And you're more likely for your weight loss surgery to be successful when you come from that place. Um, so the best way I like to explain it is we have our conscious mind, which is 10% of who we are. And so anytime we diet or meal plan, count calories, and even having weight loss surgery that taps into our conscious mind. And then we have our subconscious mind, which is 90% of who we are and all of your emotional eating and your weight gain is happening at that subconscious level. That's why this area is quite complex and there's a lot more to it than just, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. eat less and exercise more. Right. If only it was that easy. So um, I see a lot of people working backwards because they're trying to fix a problem at the wrong level. So you really need to address your emotional eating and weight at the subconscious level, which is where I come in.
1: Like what you're, what you're trying to say is like, is that where, you know, like some days I wake up or like I go through, is it like a phase, like you go through a phase where, you think, oh, this from this week onwards, I'm going to diet and exercise, but it never lasts. Is that yeah, what you mean? Like yeah, that, that's you're just right. thinking that's it on exactly a. Some, it. Okay. Because at
2: a subconscious level, and I'll, I'll talk about that shortly. There's three, um, there's three aspects that I have identified that really help make your weight loss surgery s- successful, and um, that self worth identity and your relationship with food so if you're let's just take identity so if your identity is still a failure which is what you typically have when you go in pre-surgery right because mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of gosh you know i couldn't even control this myself i've uh, been yo-yoing my whole life um mm-hmm. you know i feel like a failure that that doesn't shift when you've had surgery. So at a subconscious level, you may still have an identity of feeling like a failure. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're still the same person. So, And that's at the subconscious level. So you can have weight loss surgery. You can meal prep like a ninja. But if you have a failure identity, that's 90% of who you are. It's going to undermine all of that good, work that you're doing at that conscious and level. And that's what you
1: mean by the sabotage. Correct. You, it'll always come back to rear with ugly head. Okay, exactly. Good.
2: So basically any tool that you use at a conscious level, so whether that's dieting, meal prepping, weight loss surgery, it will be a band-aid unless you deal with the subconscious level. These are the underlying issues and uh, and often we're not you know, even aware of them.
1: So what what, what I'm coming, what this all boils down to is getting the psychological help and enlisting a professional to help you is also the tool that you're using Correct. to be successful on a subconscious level. Yes. So, if you're, so out of the whole picture, by not using a dietician um, or a, a psychologist and just having the surgery, you haven't put the full picture together correct to help yourself yes So you've used one part of it which is just the surgery yes. and you're asking yourself to be successful by not putting the whole puzzle together
2: yes, yes. when uh, when you haven't had that success in the past right yes. so that actually all plays a role in terms of how you feel about yourself
1: the, and you know what they say, right? Insanity mm. is when you do the same thing over and, over, and over again, <laughs> and expect a different result.
2: <laughs> and yet we do, right? <laughs> yes, we do.
1: And I, I am guilty of it, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so maybe to,
2: yeah. mm. would you like me to talk through those three areas? Yes, please. Yep. Just in, yeah, yeah. So this is based off just thousands of hours working with weight loss surgery patients in a therapeutic. Context. These are the three areas that that I've pulled together um, that I've observed over the years. So the first one is self worth. So if your self worth is low and you feel unworthy or undeserving or not good enough, what can happen is you can either sabotage yourself with food to punish yourself because you don't feel good enough or you can use your weight as a way to prove yourself right so how that plays out is it's almost like okay i've lost all this weight but i actually have really low self-worth i don't i have have a belief that i don't feel good about myself i'm not good enough so i'm going to put the weight back on to prove myself right Does that make sense? So it's like we're looking for evidence of this inner belief of our self-worth. So there's three common beliefs. Yeah, uh, there are three common beliefs that I've um, noticed for women that need to be upgraded after weight loss surgery Um, and even before would be a great start, which is I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy and I'm undeserving. So the bottom line is it, it can be very difficult to have longer-term success with your weight loss surgery if your self-worth isn't upgraded. And I think we all know, like, if we don't feel good about ourselves, um, then, you know, it, it's reflected in all areas of our life, including our weight.
1: Can I the like second, connect to something yeah. like um, a relationship? Like when I was yeah. younger, I always thought that, I didn't deserve a person that was well put together. I always wanted to have a relationship with somebody that I think I could fix mm-hmm. only because I thought, only because I thought that um, I didn't deserve somebody that was perfect. Yeah. Is that something like that? Yeah. But I got yeah. over it. Like I got over it. I thought I deserved better in the end, but it's something that you, it, it was because I didn't have enough self-esteem. Yes. It wasn't anything exactly to do with right. the other person. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that yes. I see what your concept is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if you don't have what you want in your life, for the most part, there'll be something at a, that subconscious level where that's part of your self-worth, your identity, um, that is working
1: against you. Yes. And it it's so not in a conscious level. You just do that's it right without even yeah. realising
2: yeah yeah and that's why this wow. area is um is complex because that subconscious level that's a part of us that's hidden um
1: you and know that's the real self, isn't it? yeah yeah
2: yeah. yeah and that's right i mean everything in life like comes from that subconscious um part of if, us unless
1: you get that awareness in yourself and you yeah. actually address it it's so hard yeah. to pick that these so are hard. your patterns
0: these yeah, are your yeah,
1: Like I had yeah. to go through my patterns as to why these relationships aren't successful and address every single one and what my thoughts were of it to actually identify that this is my problem.
2: Yes, yes. Absolutely. So then the second one is um, identity. So your identity needs an upgrade from version one to version two post-surgery. So this means that um, it's not so much about what you're doing to support your weight loss surgery results, because that doing is the conscious level. It's 10% of who you are, but it's actually who you are being, which is that 90% that supports Mm -hmm. your weight loss surgery results. So if you're, Being the type of person who is successful and committed, who maintains their goal weight, um, it's you know, it that's really gonna help. So if you're not being that person, it doesn't matter what you do in terms of your meal prepping and the reset diet and all sorts of things, your doing is only as good as the person you're being. being. So if your identity is a failure, it doesn't matter how many how much meal prepping you do, as I mentioned, because you will become your identity and your identity is your destiny.
1: So that's why we need to enlist your help to be 90% being (laughs) and 10% That's right.
2: (laughs) And then the last one is um, your relationship with food. So if this is unchanged, this is the old way of all or nothing thinking, you know, that's where you might have like a little bit of chocolate and you write the day off, for instance. Yep, you Um, chocolate for the rest of the day. Eat chocolate for the rest yep. of the day and think, we'll blow it. You know, I'll start yep, again blow tomorrow. It. I did it already. So I just well keep going. <laughs> um, this is where once you start eating, I can't stop. So I see quite a lot of um, clients like that. Anything from stress eating, boredom eating, nighttime eating, or reward eating, just general food cravings. Um, your relationship with food is what got you to need surgery in the first place. So that also needs an upgrade.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So um, can you just also give our listeners details on how they can access you and your programs, Jordi, and the content that you cover on your programs we'll help them get through all of these concepts and, um, you know, probably hopefully work with you?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I um, have developed a version 2.0 upgrade model um, mm-hmm. based off those um, hours in, in the weight loss surgery clinic, working working with the patients uh, on those three themes. So the self-worth upgrade, the identity upgrade, and the relationship with food upgrade. So mm-hmm. essentially um, I have two options to work with me. So mm-hmm. this is relevant pre-surgery and post-surgery. I have a bit of a saying, which is the best time to start was yesterday. <laughs> And, and then anything. the yep, second best anything. time is today. Yes. <laughs> um, Don't waste so time. First of- <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so there's an opportunity festival to work one-on-one with me via Zoom. So I have an application mm-hmm. form and, and we can um I'll provide the link for that. Um mm-hmm. or I have a group program where basically I use the exact processing um that I do in my one-on-one sessions in a mm-hmm. weekly group. So they're live groups and mm-hmm. it's far more accessible for women. Um and I've got women from all around the world, um, pre-surgery, post-surgery, etc. And also I've um, structured it in a way where you save 70% um, from the financial side if we did the same work one-on-one. So it's a really accessible way to get my work out there to help more women, to help them upgrade them to version 2.0 to make their surgery a success because I have found that this inner work this subconscious work is the missing link in that weight loss surgery space and the program goes for 12 weeks and basically i have come up with all those themes so i know these blocks at that subconscious level um to upgrade your mind and um yeah it's a way
1: to do this important mental work
2: to make your weight loss surgery a success
1: yeah so my thoughts are that you know you've invested so much money in the surgery invest in yourself um, by looking up Georgie and her program um, for continued success um, I would say to all my listeners um, you know invest in yourself and your progress and your success so if you've already spent such a big amount of money on just the surgery then put the puzzle together go and see a dietitian, go and see your psychologist and get the help that you need because these programs do help people and I think the one that you were talking about with the group one, you get the perspective of other people's um, story as well and what they're struggling with. So I think that would be a good um, eye opener as well to see that not you're not yeah. the only one that's struggling. So yes, yeah, thank you're you not so alone. Yes, <laughs> thank no, you for I having me. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Um, I just want to sincerely thank you today, Georgie, for giving your precious time and taking the time to talk to my audience. Um, And I also really want to further along the line, discuss with you other topics with regard to this journey that, you know, would come up. Um, And I also really encourage you all, um, my listeners to um, go on to Georgie's podcast, Reverse the Relapse, Um, you know, keep it as uh, this podcast, um, Join the Loser's Bench and Reverse the Relapse as one of your uh, top weight loss surgery podcast because they are the ones that you can go to for help and tips and tricks to navigate this journey. Um she has some really great topics that she covers as well on her podcast. And you know what? Most of all it's free. So you know you can actually <laughs> go with um great resources. So, yeah. Exactly great resources and great information there. Um again um guys that's all we have time for today. And I hope you all enjoyed the show and I will see you all next week.
0: That's a wrap, losers, for this week on Join the Losers Bench. Hope you enjoyed the show and thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, please hit subscribe, like and share with your friends, family or with anyone that is considering surgery and wants to be a loser. We appreciate your feedback, so give us a rating and please review our podcast. Join our Facebook group, Join the Losers Bench. For more discussions, tips and tricks, and make sure you enjoy the community and support. Don't forget to look at show notes for any links and resources. And remember, everything you ever wanted is sitting on the other side of fear.